word is alive. Like that said, it's not something that we put in a, a basement. It's not something that collects dust. It's not something that we bring to church and then sit on the coffee table the rest of the time. If we will take this word and apply it, read it, put it in our hearts, it's, it's the seed that we plant in the, the soil of our hearts. If we will do that consistently, continuously, it's going to reap a harvest in your life and in the life of your children. Amen? I want to read something to you real quickly. This is Psalm 103. It says, Praise the Lord, I tell myself, with all my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, I tell myself, and don't forget any of his good things that he does for us. And here are those good things. And this is why I'm saying it's so important that we put the word in our hearts, that we hide the word in our hearts, that we continuously just devour the word by reading it, because otherwise you won't know these things. So here's one of the things. He forgives all my sins. Is that good? He heals, not some, but all my diseases. He ransoms me. He buys me back from death. He surrounds me with love and his tender mercies. He fills my mouth or he fills my life with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagle. I know at 40-something, I need that. So I want my life to be renewed, my youth to be renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice for all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses. He revealed his character to Moses and the deeds to the people of Israel. He is merciful. He is gracious. He is slow to anger, and he is full of unfailing love. I think those are some things to be excited about, and I think those are some things that kind of give us, if that's one scripture of promises for us, there's a lot more in there. So if we will dig in every day, if you only have a little bit of time, I encourage you, take that little bit of time every day. It's better to have a little bit than none at all, don't you think? So I am committing every day I'm going to hide the word in my heart, and I'm going to search out those scriptures and search out those promises because in this word there are promises for everything that is going on in your life, everything going on in the lives of your children or your friends at school or work. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. We are so glad that you're here. And uh, I have actually taken two baths this morning, which is very exciting. <laughs> yeah, you can smell the freshness. Thank you, Maria. I'm, I'm glad for that. We're, we're what I like to call a non-traditional church. So if you came expecting for church to be stuffy today, you're probably not in the right place. Amen. We believe uh, in God's presence is fullness of joy. And, and we're a church that believes in that. I know the church I grew up in growing up, I, I had to have therapy for all the pinch marks my mom gave me for doing stuff in church. Anybody else? She could hurt you. I mean, she had like kung fu pinching. I, I don't know where she learned that, but, you know, I'd sit there, and it's hard to believe, those of you that don't know me, but I, I would act up in church on occasion. <laughs> yes, it's true. And, and, uh, and, and she would pinch me and, and stuff. And then, then, you know, Dad didn't really sit right beside me. Mom did, and Dad sat over here, and he'd just look at you. <laughs> I'd rather be pinched. You know what I'm talking about? Because dad would give you that evil eye. You know what I'm talking about? And he'd be all nervous. And 
wondering what was going to happen. Well, this is not how our church is. We believe that God is alive, that he is moving, and we like to have fun here. Amen? Amen. So I want you to come, and you're going to expect today that God's going to move, and I believe he's going to speak to your heart. If you've got your Bible, hold it up. If you're a visitor, you can grab a hymnal. I will not know the difference. <laughs> but everybody lift it up, and, and if you'd like to, repeat this after me. Say, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth, transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now look, just in case you're nervous, it's 1059. And I usually like to be done by 11.30, so we'll see how that goes. So we're going to try to beat the Baptist out, okay? So I'm just, so y'all don't get too nervous and, and, and don't run over each other on the way out, all right? So just hang in there with me, okay? Wasn't that awesome seeing all those folks baptized? That was cool. You know, it's exciting to, to be a part of a growing church. When we arrived here, the guys told me we had around 85 people. Last week, we had 232 people here at the church. And well, what's fun about that is that God is moving in people's hearts, and he's restoring lives, and he's changing families. And, and that's what our church is really about. We are a family. We have the crazy aunt. Where are you at, Sue? There she is. And, and all the other family members, like any other family, we have people in it, you know, and, and crazy ones and this and that and the other thing. But the truth is we're just a family. And we're, we're, we're a bunch of imperfect people following a perfect God who's changing our lives. And, and we like to do what Trish and I call doing life together. We're just kind of doing life together. And we're, we're kind of walking through this thing and seeing God bless our lives and our families. And, and he's really changing some folks and doing some great things. If you've got your sermon notes, they're in there. Also, the notes will be up on the screen this morning. And I've titled, this month we're actually doing a series. I typically teach in series, four to six week series. And this month's series is called Servolution. But if you've missed those, don't worry about it. What, what we're talking about today is this is my story, is the title of my sermon. This is my story. I'm going to talk to you about a couple people's stories that I thought were interesting. But the first scripture we're going to look at is Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 29, and this is out of the Amplified Bible. And it says, And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? So imagine, just for a minute, imagine we're... We're back in the Bible days, and, and Jesus and, and the 12 disciples are walking down the road, and they're just out in the middle of the country somewhere on a dirt road, and Jesus is, they're just talking, and Jesus says, you know, hey, guys, you know, who do, who do people say that I am? It was interesting. The disciples thought for a few minutes, and, and some of them said, well, some of them think that you're John the Baptist. John the Baptist had been killed, and they thought that some people thought that maybe Jesus was resurrected John the Baptist, and, and one of the other disciples said, well, some people think that you're Elijah. And Elijah was a great prophet, you know, who had never died. And they thought, well, maybe you're, you're kind of Elijah. Come back. And, and you know, one of, the, one of the other guys said, well, some people just think you're one of the great prophets from the old days. And then Jesus made a very interesting comment here. He said, but who do you say that I am? See, and I think it's so interesting as I was looking at this and studying this this week. It's kind of an amazing question. First, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Who, who does everybody you know say, say that I am? But then he looks at them and he says, but who do you individually? Who do you say that I am? Well, most of them didn't say anything because, you know, they didn't want to get that question wrong. <laughs> Anybody ever not answered a question because you weren't really sure? 
I think it's B, but it might be C, you know? You're not really sure. And, and so that's what they were doing. Well, Peter, you know, Peter, Peter's kind of the gung-ho type A personality out there. And he goes, you know what? I know who you are. You're the Christ. You're the anointed one. You're the Messiah. And, and the question today that I really want you guys to think about is, who do you say that Jesus is personally? You know, and, and the, the culture, the culture that we live in, has kind of lied to us a little bit about who Jesus really is. Because the truth is, if, if I were to ask you today or, or ask people around, say, hey, you know, who, who is Jesus? They'd say, well, Jesus is a pretty nice guy. I mean, wasn't it the Doobie Brothers said, Jesus is all right with me? You know? Come on. <laughs> Jesus is just, uh, you know. He's a nice guy. Would you hang out with Jesus? Yeah, Jesus is cool. You know, people think Jesus is a nice guy. Some people, being a little more religious, would say, well, Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was a great prophet. There are even, even other religions in the world that say, hey, Jesus, nice guy, yes, check the, check the box. Jesus was a great prophet. But it's what the new, not what the New Testament tells us. The New Testament tells us that Jesus is the only way to get into heaven, that he's the son of God. That he suffered and he died and he rose again. He said, I'm the only way to get to heaven. He said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. So that question of who Jesus really is is something that, that we all individually need to answer. Because one of these days, that's going to be very, very important to us. I'll tell you a story about a guy I know. His name's Chris Hodges. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you his last name because I'm going to tell you his story. And you're going to think I did it. So I'm just going to say up front. This wasn't me. But Chris grew up in church like I did. But Chris's dad was the music director at his church. Okay, he grew up in a Baptist church. And his dad was the, played the organ. And Chris said they made him always sit on this side of the auditorium because that's where the, the organ was. And, and he would have to sit right over here so his dad could see him. And, and that way when Chris acted up, his dad could do what my dad did. Give him the eye. You know what I'm talking about? So his dad was obviously a talented musician. He could play and look at his son at the same time, you know. And, and so Chris was there, and I think he said he was about 10 years old or so, and, and he had been to church. Every time the door was open, he was at church, okay? So he grew up in church like many of us. Anybody grow up in church? I mean, every time the door was open. You know, I had a drug problem growing up. I was drugged to church every time the door was open, Okay? So I was one of, by the ear, yeah, I had a big ear and a drug problem. <laughs> but that's how my family was. You know, I'm from Texas. Y'all don't hold that against me. But, but here's what we did growing up. I mean, every Sunday, we went to church. And then after church, we got out early enough to get home so we could watch God's football team play. Because <laughs> in Texas, that's what you do. You, you go to church, and then you go home, and you watch the Cowboys and watch God's team play football against whoever satanic team they were playing against, you know? <laughs> like the Redskins. Going to hell in a Learjet if you like the Redskins. I don't know. They're, they're scary. But anyway, we would go in, and, and you know, you know, back in the day, God helped build that stadium. He had a hole in the roof so he could watch them play, you know? It's kind of like a big screen TV. That was the first one. But anyway, you know, that, that's what I did. Well, Chris was like me. He grew up in church like that. But he, he was listening. He actually listened one time to the preacher when he was 10 years old. And he said the preacher started talking about hell and how hot hell was and how bad hell was. And Chris started paying attention. And he got scared. 
Because he decided he didn't want to go to hell. And he said the preacher started giving the altar call. He said, dude, I didn't even wait. I jumped up. I ran to the altar, 10 years old. He said, I stood right in the front. And the pastor said, who wants to get saved? He's like, me, because I don't want to go to hell. That does not sound like fun. Well, they handed him, he's 10 years old, they hand him a clipboard with all this stuff that he has to fill out. So he's sitting in church and he's filling this out. He said, I really didn't know what I was doing. I wrote my name and, and, and it said, do you want to be a member of the church? He said, check. Next box was, do you want to move your letter? Well, he didn't really know what move your letter means. See, those of us that are from church circles know that move your letter means you're going from one church to the other. And you request your letter of membership to be moved. Well, he didn't know what that meant. He said, I thought what that meant was they wanted to rearrange the alphabet for me. <laughs> At 10 years old, that's cool. So he said, I checked that box because that's cool. And he said, then there were all these different things you could sign up for. He said, I signed up for WM. He said, I did not know that meant women's ministry. <laughs> Check the box, you know. And he goes through. He said, finally, I, he said, I just checked everything. He said, because... I just want to make sure God knew that I was serious and I did not want to go to hell. <laughs> well, here's what was interesting about that. You know, Chris, Chris got what many of us would call fire insurance, right? He said, look, you know, I've got car insurance. I don't want to have to use it. I got hell insurance. I don't want to have to use it. So he just did what he thought he needed to do to keep from going to hell. And, and what happened is Chris realized, though, that there, that wasn't fulfilling to him. And even at 10 years old, he knew that, hey, I checked this box, but nothing feels really different to me. And God's this big, scary guy, and if I'm not careful, he's going to send me to hell. And that's how many of us grew up, you know. We're, we're, every time we mess up, we're waiting for God to bounce us on the head. I remember the first time I said a cuss word. I still remember that. As a young man, it wasn't last week. I'm just saying, you know. I remember as a young guy thinking the first time I said a cuss word, lightning was going to strike me. You know, I remember that. I remember thinking, oh, you know, that, but that's how I viewed God. That as soon as you messed up, God was just waiting there. He was waiting for you to mess up. That's what Chris thought. Well, here's what Chris did. Every Sunday for five years, he came to the altar. Every Sunday for five years, he came to the altar. Till he was 15, he said, I just kept coming to the altar because I didn't want to go to hell, but I didn't feel any different. And, and I, I felt this conviction of the Holy Spirit, so I just kept coming to the altar because I, I, I didn't want to go to hell. He said, it finally got where I'd just come up and pastor just send me over. I mean, I didn't have to say anything, you know. Well, at 15, how many of y'all knew everything when you were 15 years old? Dude, when I was 16, I was a genius. <laughs> i kind of gone backwards since then, you know what I'm talking about? But at 15, he and some of his buddies were in high school. They'd all got their driver's permits. And, and there was one of the girls that was a friend of theirs, and, and there was this guy at school that was giving her a hard time. And so they decided, they came up with this ingenious plan. They're going to egg their house. And he said, it started off with like two of us. He said, the night that we showed up at the house, there were 15 of us. Now get this, 100 dozen eggs. Somebody say 1,200. <laughs> so here's what happens. Now, Chris said they had it all planned out where they wouldn't get caught. They waited till it was dark, 8 o'clock. <laughs> 8 o'clock. <laughs> Who's asleep at 8 o'clock? Scott is the only one that's asleep <laughs> at 8 o'clock. So, so they, but they're smart. You don't do it in the daytime. You wait till it's dark. Nobody thought out of 15, 15-year-old 15 guys, everybody's awake at 8 o'clock, right, except Scott. 
And he was in California, so it was a totally unrelated state. So, <laughs> so they all pull up, four cars, 15 guys, 1,200 eggs. Pile out of the car. Brr, he said it sounded like Vietnam. Brr, I mean, eggs are hitting the house. It's going crazy. He said, well, of course the people are inside watching TV. He said, they come running outside. He said, we never slowed down. Now we start throwing eggs at them. <laughs> Bonus, right? So now they're hitting the house, hitting the people. He said, and one of the guys, he didn't remember who it was, ran around the people that are getting pelted by eggs, runs up and starts throwing eggs in the house. Okay, this is escalated, right? If y'all do any of this, I will find you. I will, you know, don't. So anyway, they do this. Finally, silence reigns over the battlefield. They run out of eggs. All the guys screaming, ah, jump in the cars, peel out, run off. They get away, except for the neighbor who came outside and took down all their license plate numbers. <laughs> right? So guess what happens? Police don't call them that night. They wait till the morning where they think they've got away. <laughs> but here's what happened during that period of time. The only person, the only individual person they could tie to this whole thing was Chris because it was his friend that originally was the one that was in trouble. So everybody of the 15 guys there, all 14, named him as the guy that started it all. And he was driving the car. He said, I never even threw an egg, but I was the only one that really got in trouble. He said, he said I went over to my friend's house. We all spent the night at a friend's house. He said, my dad calls at like 7.30 the next morning. He says, you need to come home right now. He said, I knew what had happened. He said, I drove the car home. He said, I pull up in the driveway, and Dad's standing out in the driveway just like this. How, how, I mean, you know this ain't going to be pretty, right? <laughs> but to make matters worse, Chris got nervous, and he said, I pulled up in the driveway, and I was so busy looking at Dad, I turned the wheel of the car. He said, I ran into my neighbor's fence and knocked the whole wooden fence down. <laughs> Dude, this is a bad day, Right? He said, then, so I had to back away from the fence that I've just knocked over. And my dad said, you need to go down to the police station. Well, needless to say, those boys ended up getting booked, and they ended up going, I mean, it was really bad. They ended up getting sued for all the damage on the house. He reached a low point in his life at 15. Well, what does this have to do with his salvation? Chris kind of felt condemned anyway. What happened was just an expression of what he was already dealing with in his life. And he said, you know what? I got I to gotta figure this God thing out because my life stinks right now. And the truth is, most of us in life encounter situations like Chris's. Now, the truth is, 15 years old throwing eggs, eh, you're going to get in a little bit of trouble, right? Unless you're at my house, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> but, but you're going to get in some trouble. But many of us now in life, we're dealing with things that are really, really hard. Maybe you're dealing with a divorce situation or you're dealing with an addiction or you're dealing with a multitude of problems, whatever those problems are. I mean, you've got real life facing you. And like Chris, you're needing some answers. You're needing some answers. So let me ask you today, what's your story? Because we all have one. What's your story? Well, let me tell you what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. This is Jesus talking. Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then Jesus says this, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. 
Number two on your blanks is this. It's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. See, Jesus' point here was, you know, in other words, checking the box for church membership is not the deal. Being a nice person is not the deal. That's not what it's all about. Getting hell insurance is not the deal. Jesus said, I never knew you. So my question today is, do you, do you even know him? So number three, what is Easter really about? What is it really about? Well, <laughs> we all know it's not about that rabbit, right? Anybody? Now, Taylor and I were driving up here for practice this morning, and we were talking about the Easter bunny. We were. Taylor and I are having this conversation because, you know, she's, she's uh, you know, getting older now, so we need to talk about the Easter bunny. <laughs> so we were, weren't we, sweetheart? And we're talking about how did, they, you know, how did they get started? What's up with the Easter Bunny? And about that time, Peter Cottontail goes running across the road. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I hope this doesn't hurt your feelings. The dude did not have a jacket on. Okay? No jacket. No basket. You know, I mean, he was just all by himself. And, and here's the thing. <laughs> it's not about the rabbit. So we can all agree with that it's not about the rabbit, right? And I even wonder, how did that even, how do you come up with a rabbit for Easter? I mean, Santa Claus, I understand. St. Nicholas, I get that, giving gifts, Christmas, all that. Rabbit? Jesus dying on a cross, being in a grave, and a rabbit. I don't know what they were drinking, but I don't know. It was kind of, hello. You know, I mean, it was just, I, I don't get that. But anyway, we know it's not about the rabbit, so what is it, what is it about? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 21 says this. This is out of the New International Version. And this is the Apostle Paul talking to those in Ephesus. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In other words, that you would understand. In order that you may know the hope to which God has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And listen to this next verse 19. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Many of us understand the cross. The cross is where Jesus died for our sins. He paid for my mistakes. And I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful for that because I've made a bunch of them. And I continue to make them. But that's what the cross is about. Jesus died. He sacrificed his life so that we'd be free. But a lot of us don't talk about the tomb that much. We don't talk about the resurrection that much. And the truth is, what Paul's saying here is, I want you to understand that it's not only about Jesus dying for your sins, but he rose again. He rose again. And the same power that raised him from the dead can live in you. And you know that, that video that introduced right before we started speaking said, talked about abundant life and see we believe that we don't believe it's just a hey you accept Jesus and then you just barely hold on until you die and then you go to heaven that's not what the Bible says Jesus said I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly and that translation means overflowing to the full so a question I'd ask you today 
How overflowing is your life right now? You know, if I were to read the, the story of your life, if I were to open it up, and let's just say this book has is, is got your name on it, and this is, this is like your book. It tells when you were born, you know, what grades you made in school, how many spit wads you threw at people, you know. I mean, it's just kind of the story of your life, but, but it'd have just everything. How would your story read? I mean, would your story be an exciting story? Would your story be a boring story? Would your story be a tragedy? I mean, maybe your life has been hard. I mean, I know there's some people in here, I mean, Trisha being one of them, abandoned at a young age, has seen abuse and a lot of other things. Maybe that's your life. Maybe your parents were divorced when you were young. Maybe you grew up in a really, really hard situation. Maybe that's your story. I want you to understand what the heart of Easter is about. The heart of Easter is about you. It's about you. Easter is for you. I want you to think about that for a minute. Jesus died for you individually. And I want you to understand, and this is the thing that I learned. See, I grew up like Chris in church, and and at 16 years old, I peaked. (laughs) I peaked out at 16. I kind of got in, and and, uh, I was popular, and I was an athlete, and I was all that fun stuff. And at 16 years old, I realized that it wasn't enough. And I thought, man, if this is as good as it's going to get, why even be around? Because I had all the stuff all my friends wanted. I grew up in a family that we had money. I was popular. The ladies loved me. (laughs) That's understandable. (laughs) You know, I mean, what's not to love? (laughs) But, you know, I look like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man right now. But, you know, back in the day. (laughs) But... But the truth is, it's kind of funny. It's like I really, I did. I kind of peaked. And I remember sitting back going, is this it? You know, I'm going to graduate and go to college and get a job and make money and die. Wow, that sounds great. And I began to search for God. Now, remember, I grew up in church. They gave me a Bible when I was in sixth grade that had my name in it. So I figured I had hell insurance, (laughs) but I was so empty on the inside. And so I began to ask questions if God was real. Now, I don't know if any of y'all have ever done this, but this is what I did. I remember sometimes I'd lay in bed at night, right before I'd go to bed, right before I'd go to sleep, and I'd go, God, if you're real, turn the lights on and off. Real deep spiritual stuff. You know what I'm talking about? I didn't need much, (laughs) And, and it never happened. And I remember being in English class, I promise, sophomore in high school, I can remember where I was sitting. Sophomore in high school, sitting in my English class, going, God, if you're real, not help me with the test. <laughs> I knew that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> it, was, it was, God, if you're real, move my pencil. Just crazy stuff. But that's how desperate I was. But here's what I didn't know. The Bible tells us that if we ask, we'll find him. If we seek, we'll find him. If we knock, he'll open up the door. And see, I was doing that. And here's the thing I want you to understand today. God's not scared of you asking him questions. God created you, and he wants to know you. And that's where I was. I just wanted to know if he was real. And my youth group went on a mission trip. And and this mission trip was in New Mexico. And we went to this Indian reservation. You know? 
And, and so we were going out to help the Indians do some farm work, and I was a farm boy, so I understood that. And so we're going to go out to help them, and, and we did a, a Bible study out on this beautiful mountain. We did this Bible study. We don't have beautiful mountains in Texas. We have flat in Texas, okay? And, and this beautiful mountain, and I could see forever. And I looked around, and everybody had left to go do their own thing, and I was sitting there by myself. And I cried out to God in my heart. I said, God, if you're real, I've got to know. And I want to tell you something. That may have not been the religious thing. I didn't say any special words. I didn't walk around in a circle five times. I just said, God, if you're real, just let me know. And I want to tell you something, guys. Gospel truth. I felt a presence come over me. And I, and I felt, I heard this voice. I know it wasn't audible, but I heard this voice in my heart. And God said, I will never leave you. Now, here's what's interesting about that. That's not what I asked. I just wanted to know if he was real. And he's like, yeah, I'm real, and I'm never going to leave you. And I gave God my heart that day. And see, it's not a religious thing. And, and I want you to understand what our church is about. I don't get brownie points in heaven for you signing up to be a member of this church. And I'm not even interested in that. What we're passionate about here is that people understand that each person in here is unique. That God loves you. And God has a plan for your life. And he's not mad at you. He's not waiting behind a tree to pump you on the head. He loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you in your place. Knowing what kind of knucklehead you were going to be. He loves you anyway. The reason this church is growing is because God is real, and that's the good news. Amen. The good news is God loves you, and he's not mad at you. And if you'll come to him, he wants to give you an abundant life, and he wants to change your family dynamic. There's some of you here that are holding on by a thread. I know every week there are people that show up that this is their last shot. I'm going to give God one more chance. I know there are people who walked in the door today whose businesses are failing. I know there are people who walked in the door today, you were fighting with your wife before you walked inside. And she was winning. <laughs> but you want a better marriage and you don't know what to do. There are people here today that, that maybe they're teenagers and they're like I was. They're, they're like, I don't want to just do church. I want something real in my life. Let me tell you something. God is real. And that's what Easter's about. It's for you. Jesus just didn't rise from the dead so he could be cool. He rose from the dead for you to power you and give you the ability to have life everlasting, not just in heaven, not just fire insurance, but abundant life now. So if you're one of those people that says, you know what, I need something in my life. I need help in my business. I need help in my finances. I need help in my body. I need help in my family. Whatever the situation is, fill in the blank. God loves you, and he can help you, and he wants to. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. So what is your story? Number four, what is your story? If I were to sit down with you today and we looked at your story, would you go through and say, man, pastor, you know what? The truth is, my story's a mess, and if I could choose, I would rewrite some of the chapters that I've written. You know, if I could do it all over again, how many of you feel that way? If I could do it all over again, boy, I'd do some things different. You know what? We can't go back, can we? 
But here's the great news about Easter. This is the good news about Easter. Jesus has given you a pen. And he's saying, you know what? Receive me, and I'm going to let you write the rest of your story the way it's supposed to be written. A good story. A story that said, you know what? After 55 years of living a messed up life and doing my own thing, I have a saying around here that says, how's that working out for you? The truth is, for most of us, it's not working out for us, and we need God's help. And if that's you today, God's giving you a pen, and he's giving you a piece of paper, and he's saying, you know what? Let's write your story together, because he's got a good plan for you. The Bible tells us that he's got a good plan for you, and it's to give you a future and a hope. It's good. It's good. And he's got a great thing for you. And I don't want you to be scared today. Some of you are saying, well, if I really give my life to God, see, this is what I thought. If I really give my life to God, he's going to send me to Africa because that's where all the Christian people go. (laughs) Africa. Come to Africa. Be a missionary to Africa. No, he will call you maybe to be a missionary to Texas or something. (laughs) No, that's not what it's about. See, you're uniquely created, and God has gifted you with certain gifts and abilities that nobody else has. And the truth is, some of you are called to be a part of this church, and we need you to be here because we need your help. Because he's called us to do a great thing in our area. And some of you are are being called to this place, and we want you here. Some of you are being called to different churches to help them. And we want you to do that. We want you to fulfill the call that you have in your life. But Easter's about you having the opportunity to write the story and change the chapters. You can't go back, but you can go forward. Amen? You know, if I were to go over to Walmart right now, and and if I were to say to people, if I were to walk in there right now and say, Hey, are you a Christian? Here's, Here's what I would hear, okay? Well, my grandma goes to church. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? And... Or, you know, Papa was a preacher, or Mom and Dad go to church. Forget all that. The question today is, who is Jesus to you? Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? Here, I want you to do something real quick. Every, everybody's got in their seat a little red piece of paper. I'm not going to embarrass you at all. There's four little letters on there. Now look, I'm going to tell you up front, don't cheat on your neighbor, okay? (laughs) This is not that kind of test. But it says A, B, C, and D. You should have a pencil. If you don't, there may be one in the pew in front of you, or you can borrow your neighbors when they're done. This is between you and God. Nobody's going to write their names on these, okay? So here's what I want you to do. You see the A, B, C, and D, right? You're going to circle the one that applies to you today. And here's what A is. A is, I'm a Christian. I have a relationship with Jesus. I know him. I have received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I have a relationship with Jesus. That's A. Okay? B is, you know what? I have not received Jesus as my Savior. Or I was a Christian, but I've just kind of walked away from God, and I've been doing my own thing. But today, I want to give Jesus my life. Today, I want to do that. That's B. You circle B if that's you. C is I'm not a Christian, but I'm thinking about it. 
some of the things you said today really are making me think. Because the truth is, if I ask myself that question, I really don't know who Jesus is to me. But I'm not ready to give him my life, but I'm thinking about it. That's C. And D is I could care less. I'm not interested at all. You know, I'm here. I was drugged too. (laughs) Somebody drugged me here, and I'm ready for you to finish so I can go eat something. (laughs) That's D. Here's why I'm doing this. You need to know. This is for you. You need to know where you stand. So I want you to fill one of those, and here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to put your name on it. But I want you to fill that out, and I want you to leave it in your seat when you leave. Okay? Can you do that? And as we close today, here's what I want to say to you. And I hope you understand this. The Bible tells us in John 3.16, it's the most quoted verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, some of you out there today are saying, hey, I get the fact that God loved this huge world with all these billions of people. You understand that. I, I get that. But here's what I want you to understand. I want you to take out for God so loved the world and put so, for God so loved you. Put your name in that slot. For God so loved Chris that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved Mary. For God so loved Scott. For God so loved Carol. For God so loved Trisha. For God so loved, put your name in there. And here's the truth. And I want you to understand this. Even if you don't give your heart to him today, he still would have died for you. That's how much he loves you. God loves you that much. And some of you may be thinking, you don't know what I've done. Doesn't matter what you've done. Trust me. Hang around me for a little while. I'll make you feel better about yourself. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It's not about what you've done. It's about what he's done. So today, if that's you, let's, let's pray. Everybody bow your heads. And you're here today and you say, Pastor, look, I heard what you said, and I've never received Jesus as my Savior. That's me. I've never received him. But you know what? I want to do that today. What a great day to do that. But today I want to do that. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. Just slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. Or maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, the truth is, I'd given my life to the Lord at one point, but I've walked away and I'm doing my own thing. And you ask that question, how's it working out for you? The truth is, it's not working out for me at all. And I want to rededicate my life to Him today. I want to recommit my heart to the Lord. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Your hand's going up. It's awesome. And I want you to know, if you circled C or D, if you're still thinking about it, I'm going to be praying for you. Because the truth is, God loves you. And there's going to come a point where you're really going to need him. And he loves you and he is there for you. And I want you to remember this day when that happens. That God's there for you. And he's got a plan for your life. Let's all stand this morning.
We had a number of people raise their hands this morning that wanted to rededicate their heart. I know there are some that want to give their life. So we're all going to do this together. Amen? Let's all put our hands on our heart. Let's all repeat this prayer together. We're all going to join with them. Amen? And today, all of us, let's, let's rededicate our hearts to Him. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. Today, I give you my heart. Take my life. I give you my heart. Use me, Lord. Change my course. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you did that today, I'd love to visit with you and spend a few minutes with you and talk about what's going on in your life. Or you can call the church. Easter's an awesome day. Easter means it doesn't have to be the same anymore. I want you to know, if you're looking for a home church, we'd love to have you here. But I want you to go to church somewhere. You need to be in a church somewhere where you feel comfortable. Because that's important. Father, I just thank you for every life represented here today. Lord, I pray that you would bless them as they leave this place. Lord, and we thank you for what Easter means to all of us. Bless us as we leave. Help us to be your hands and feet in our family and in our community. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Have a great day. Enjoy your family. Don't egg anybody's house. Hold on, we got an announcement. Go ahead real quick. As you are leaving, beware there are eggs all over the place. The kids, I don't want to take your kids outside because I'm wearing sandals and I'll get messy. So we're all staying inside. (laughs) Um, We are going to bring the kids in here to you. So if parents, if you will stay put, if you want to participate in the Easter egg hunt, then I would ask that you just stay in your pew and we'll be bringing the kids to you. If you you are leaving, watch out for the eggs. (laughs) 